It's Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Federal Aviation Administration is taking one of the first steps to building a new communications platform. Last week, the agency awarded a $2 billion contract to Verizon to build and operate a next-generation communications platform to support the agency's critical mission applications. Verizon will deliver the platform through a new FAA Enterprise Network Services contract. The General Services Administration is making wholesale changes after finding out major misrepresentations were made in regards to the agency's login.gov platform over the past two years. GSA's Office of the Inspector General said last month that the billing other agencies' Identity Assurance Level 2 compliance services despite login.gov not meeting IAL2 standards. GSA's Federal Acquisition Service Commissioner Sonny Hashmi says all GSA employees who intentionally misled other agencies that they're aware of are no longer employed by GSA. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. The first-ever CrowdStrike Government Summit is now just a week away. Learn how cybersecurity leaders at the White House, the Department of Defense, CISA, and more are leveraging different capabilities that will protect and power their efficiency. It's all happening Tuesday, April 11th at the Washington, D.C. Marriott Marquis. I'll be there and hope you will be, too. You can learn more and register for the event at govsummit.crowdstrike.com. The Pentagon has a new cyber workforce strategy with the goal of providing a roadmap for how the Defense Department will maintain and grow its cyber workforce. Mark Gorak is Principal Director for Resources and Analysis in the DOD Office of the Chief Information Officer. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Billy, my pleasure to be here. So, Mark, this cyber workforce strategy was a long time coming. We've reported on it coming for a while now. And I'm curious, you know, now that it's here, what are the core tenets of what DOD looks to accomplish with it? And how does it take a more modern approach to cyber talent management within the department? Great question, Billy. So thanks. for thanks. I just want to thank you for the opportunity to, to uh, have this podcast with you and your listeners um, to get our message out. So first, let me put into the context kind of how the uh, whole framework works. So the workforce strategy, which we just published a week and a half ago, that's the direction for unifying our workforce. Then we'll follow up with an implementation plan that achieves the goals and objectives of the strategy through innovative initiatives. We try to be bold there, but I can't release too much about that until we get it through staffing, which is always uh, a challenge for the department. Uh, and then we have what not too many people know about, actually, is the department's cyber workforce framework, which sets the foundation for identifying the workforce. And then finally, we have our 8140 manual, which is the standard for qualifying and developing the workforce. So specifically within the cyber uh, strategy, it provide, we aim to provide the tools, resources, and programs that enable department's cyber workforce stakeholders to identify, recruit, develop, and retain a more agile and effective cyber workforce. So those are our four, if you will, pillars of the strategy, is identification, recruitment, development, and retention. Within those, we have four uh, goals, if you were, for the strategy um, overall. And uh, they are uh, to execute consistent capability assessments and analysis processes to stay ahead of the workforce needs. So just to be clear here, what we're really after here is to um, have a data-based foundation. We know our 
complete workforce. Just to give you an idea of the magnitude of our workforce, we have about 225,000 people in the DOD working cyber workforce. It's really broken up about a third in each of our categories. So about a third of those are civilians, a third of those are military, and about a third of that is contractors. So pretty good balance, I think, overall across uh, the force in those three categories. The second main goal is to establish an enterprise-wide talent management program to better align force ca uh, capacity with current and future requirements. So again, data is key to that too. The third and probably the most challenging is to facilitate a cultural shift in the to optimize the department-wide personnel management activities. I have challenged my team to be <laughs> flexible, agile, and responsive to the uh, to managing this program. Uh, so that's very unique in a personnel system in today's um, environment. Uh, we strive to do that. But changing the cultural shift to be able to execute that is a very difficult process. And then finally, our fourth goal is to foster partnerships to enhance capability development, operational effectiveness, and career broadening experiences. So working with industry, working within other federal agencies, having exchange programs and the like is what we're after there. So that's kind of the, the foundation of our goals. Um, and then again, to me, the real key here is the tools backed up by the data. And then the implementation plan is the real key to success of any strategy. I'm glad you mentioned that implementation plan because I know you said you can't really get in depth because it's still in the approval process, but how is that going to be instrumental um, without sharing the details around it? But how is it going to be an instrumental tool in making sure that the strategy is uh, successful outside of just having a strategy? Yeah, great question. So <clears throat> we have really tried to push the bounds in the implementation plan. Most strategies uh, like I said, are, are unifying documents that are kind of vague. You know, when I say recruitment, what does that mean? Um, and the way we're taking the implementation plan approach is not the way we've always done it, because it's a fact that today we are not keeping pace with our workforce requirements compared to our workforce, um, the, the, the supply side of it out there. So we're looking at things all the way down to K through 12, and how do we get more um, individuals interested in STEM and in cyber at a younger age? So they actually are looking at that. I, it's funny, I attended a conference back last April, an educational conference on cyber, and we have a huge shortage of cyber educators out there. Uh, and yet when we talked to the teachers, I had lunch with them and we talked to them, they said, wow, if I could only have somebody like you come to our classrooms and tell our kids all the opportunities in the federal government for cyber, that you'd have a lot of interest. And I'm like, great, that'd be awesome. But I can't go to 10,000 different schools, <laughs> only one individual. So how do we get the word out and how do we um, sell all of the benefits of working for the, for the DOD as well as the federal government um, in cyber? specifically. I think it's, you know, the, the service and then the mission that we have is key and unique. And I think we have to really emphasize that. And like I said, get more younger people interested in cyber. And then also we have to create new pathways, uh, underserved communities, underrepresented communities, uh, different recruiting grounds, uh, looking at accreditation programs, apprenticeship programs, certifications, 
And I can get into that more later when we talk about our new change to the 8140 uh, policy series. Um, but those are some of the things we're looking at. If you're trying to be creative and innovative, which we fully realize not every initiative that we proclaim in the implementation plan is going to work. Uh, part of that is tracking the data to find out if it's working or not. And if it's not, let's try something else. If it is, let's get best practices among the components and um, have them all do those kind of programs. Yeah, and, and let's dive into DOD Manual 8140. Um, you know, it's a major issue that DOD leaders have been speaking about for a while, the need to create a fame, framework to inventory and sort of understand the scope of the department's cyber workforce. You can't measure the effectiveness of something if you don't know what you have. Uh, and so along with the strategy that... DOD manual was updated. Um, and I'm curious how that goes about building that framework and create, creating the cyber codes to better manage the workforce. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the, the manual was in the works for literally several years and came out one week before the cyber strategy. <laughs> um, so interesting there. But like I said, the manual sets the standards for the qualifying and developing the workforce. You know, it sets the KSATs, we call them, the knowledge, skills, abilities, and tasks for each individual work role. And we're up to um, uh, 71 different work roles now because we've recently added in the cyber workforce framework, we've added AI, data, and software. Um, and in doing that, we're, again, we're remaining agile and flexible for the user community out there. And these things change. Our technology is constantly changing. So we have to constantly upgrade or um, update our KSATs. So interesting, as soon as the manual came out, the very next day, I said, okay, where's change one? Because we already have changes. So it'll be a, a, an evolution. But at least it, stand, it sets the standard framework for qualifying the workforce. Tra what training is required, what certifications, if any, um, how do we measure experience and how does experience factor into the hiring process? And then we also um, are working on different levels of training um, and education. So if you have a basic knowledge or an intermediate knowledge or advanced knowledge, how do we measure that and track that so we continually improve? Uh, so that's kind of the basis for the 8140 manual. It is huge, and we're <laughs> spending a lot of time answering a lot of questions. Uh, we've given the components uh, some time to actually get up to standard with the training requirements and the certifications. Um, and then as we work with the components, again, being agile and flexible here and responsive to them, we will um, continually update uh, what those are, but it's a catch 22, right? You can't, you can't change the manual every month and expect all the components to keep up. So you have to have some time of, um, catching up and realizing the standard and then making the incremental improvements over time. Great. So Mark, as we close out here, um, curious, you know, there's this constant conversation about how, um, the DOD or the government writ large struggles to compete with the private sector. And that's largely because of the salaries that the private sector can offer to cyber talent. And, you know, it's the real reality of it is that the DOD is probably never going to be able to compete in that salary basis. But I'm curious how this strategy and, you know, these other efforts that kind of create this complementary environment of, you know, modern cyber talent management in the DOD kind of narrows that competitive gap to make the department a more competitive uh, player for that talent. 
Yeah, lots to go in this area. So first of all, I actually tried not to look at it as a competition because I believe the cyber mission is a national level mission that both industry uh, as well as government, uh, federal and DOD all have a big role to play. You know, like I said in the beginning, our workforce is about a third in each area here. Um, and it, competition, as far as recruitment goes for the military side, we we are getting great applicants to come in to the military. Uh, they're motivated. They want to learn this. What well, part of the part of the uh, allure there is one is mission, but two is we provide all the training. So all we you really need to do to enter the military and cyber is to have the aptitude for this kind of area. Uh, and then we provide you all the training. Then we give you all the experience. Now the problem comes in is how do we retain you? And again, my answer there is I look at this as a partnership. So we want to change the way we think about how we do retention. Um, I've said publicly uh, again and again that I don't want to retain everyone. I want to retain the best. And I don't. I want to retain those who are most needed in our areas. Those who do want to leave or transition to the civilian side or the non-federal side industry, we want to maintain partnerships with them so that as they go through time and get more training on you know, Apple, Google, wherever, that we can pull some of those expertise back in to help us with very specific missions, whether it's a three-month time frame, a six-month time frame, and have that interchange. We call it permeability. Uh, between the civilian sector and the DOD. Uh, so that's one of the initiatives that's going to be in the implementation point is how do we get there? How do we make that easier? Um, and then on the compensation side to, to retain those who are in, we, we are working on getting better. And, and I will submit to you, even the life cycle of industry is changing. I mean, in 2022, uh, salaries all drastically increased. In 2023, we are seeing literally thousands and thousands of layoffs. So how do we go after that population um, from industry? So I think these things work in cycles. Um, one of the advantages we have in the federal government and DOD specifically is longevity. A lot of people who transition into the civil service, for instance, do it because of job security. Um, I prefer to look at it as mission and what we do. We have that unique capability. Uh, and again, but we do that working with all of our partners. So I think the implementation plan is going to try some bold initiatives to try to make this happen, whether it's permeability, uh, increasing the caps of pay, um, and other incentives, uh, even to restructure the way we advertise for positions, the way we recruit, the way we bring people in. Uh, industry average right now is 45 days. Uh, our average is over 90 so how do we re reduce that and be able to recruit um, talent very much quicker? Um, some of those initiatives are what's going to be an implementation plan. So that's kind of how we're going after it. I think it will remain a challenge, but until we fundamentally change the culture and think about how we go after this talent pool with this new generation and how it's always changing and moving and have more flexibility in our system, uh, we won't quite get through that. Um, but again, I look at it not as a competitive, but as a partnership. And the way you do partnerships is you give and take. So how do we how do we make those incentives uh, for both sides is key. 
Well, Mark, it sounds like an exciting uh, bit of progress, and uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out for when that implementation plan comes. But for now, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure getting to hear more about the strategy and what's to come. Billy, I appreciate your guys' time. Thanks a lot. You can learn more about the new DOD Cyber Workforce Strategy at the thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again Thursday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.